The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration Holistic Radio. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host. Thank you for joining us, whether it's live or on demand. We love you, our listeners, and want to support you and everyone who embraces the notion that although you may be members by birth of the baby boom generation or Gen X or Gen Y, that you can choose to be members of Generation Regeneration or Gen R by the daily choices you make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. As we discussed last week with farmer David Pittman of Pittman Family Farms, one of the things that many of us in Gen R strive to do is to feel more connected to everything around us, other people, our environment, and very importantly, our food. I really enjoy featuring those who are working to make us more aware of better food choices, both for our bodies and the planet. And today, we have just such a chef. Alan Redinger is an author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. He served clients as a private chef in the United States, Europe, and Australia. Raised in Mexico City, he acquired a taste for exotic food early on and soon developed a passion for flavor and beauty that drives his diverse, creative culinary style. Alan is passionate about empowering people to make smart choices in what they eat and to enjoy eating well at home. His cookbooks, Omega-3 Cuisine, Speed Vegan, Extraordinary Vegan and Paleo Vegan showcase his ability to bring health and pleasure together in a wide range of dishes that are simultaneously sophisticated and accessible for the home cook. Welcome to the show, Alan. It's such a great pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. I'm glad you invited me. (laughs) Now, let's get started by talking about your culinary journey. What inspired you to be a chef? Well, you know, it, it kind of cre- crept up on me. I didn't, uh, I didn't really say, you know, wake up one morning and say, I'll be a chef or I'm going to go to culinary school or anything like that. I, I, I've always loved food, and I kind of, it just kind of happened. I, I needed a job, and there was a gentleman in Miami where I was living who, uh, who needed actually a valet, and a friend of mine recommended me, and I had to learn how to iron and <laughs> do a few things that I didn't know how to do. <laughs> and that was my first job as a, as a cook. I was actually a valet. Uh, and then it went for somebody that he knew uh, got got to introduced to me, and then when that ended, I actually I actually left Miami, went to Washington D.C. for about a year, and then somebody called me and said, uh, can you, "Would you come to Miami to work?" And I said, "Well, yeah." And they said, "Well, we'll bring you down here, and you can go for a trial run, and then if it works out, we'll um, you'll have a job." And I thought, "Okay." So I went, and uh, that that actually lasted three years. They, 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 these people were extremely discriminating gourmets, so I had to learn really fast. 
Uh, it was quite a few notches above what I'd ever done before, so it was a challenge. And, uh, you know, I was a cook. So that's what they call being their cook. And uh, after that one ended, uh, I pretty much could write my own ticket, and I, I marketed myself as a private chef. That's how it kind of all evolved. I, it, uh, you know, there was a, a, I can't remember which famous <laughs> French chef said, you know, it's a profession that chooses you. It's just something you kind of get drawn into. And before you know it, you're working much harder than you ever thought you wanted to. Uh, but it's, uh, it's thoroughly enjoyable. So, you know, there I am. There you are. Yes, sometimes the path does show itself to you. You don't have to work really mm-hmm. hard to figure out where you need to go in life. So you mentioned that you wound up being a private chef. So why did you choose to stick with that as opposed to perhaps working in a restaurant or owning your own restaurant, anything like that? Well, that's three different things, working as a private chef, working in a restaurant, and owning your own restaurant. Yeah, um, very There's different. a lot involved in restaurant work that... I mean, if you're just working in a restaurant, first of all, the hours are brutal. The pay is terrible. <laughs> and unless, unless you, you know, begin at an early age as an apprentice to, to somebody who's really, really good, yeah. uh, like a three-star or two-star Michelin restaurant, something that, where, the, where the standard is very, very high and everything is very, very exacting, you don't really learn much. I mean, you learn the basics of cooking, but it, you don't really you don't get that elevated status it's it's just you just you just get tired is all you get really mm. uh, and then if you don't actually own the restaurant which is a totally different thing you don't make any money in mm. the end you you don't have much to show for it you have nothing to sell when you retire <laughs> so uh as a private chef you're challenged every day to come up with something new mm. uh and so unlike in a restaurant where if, you know if you're a line cook or something you're just you're just slinging out the same old hash every day and yes. it's boring and it's brutal and it's tiring and it's and it's not too particularly rewarding but as a private chef you get to first of all you, you don't ever have to worry about uh, the budget you you you, you could buy all the expensive ingredients you need all the expensive tools you need everything you need you can get and you're and you're, and you're expected to because you're you're expected to please the people you're cooking for so that was, to me, a much more interesting way to go, and the, the pay is a lot better. Yes. And uh, you, you're only serving a, a certain number of people versus hundreds and hundreds, you know. Okay. So that, that sounds like a pretty yeah, good yeah, career it's, choice. It's a much better lifestyle. You get two days off, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so not only are you a private chef, but you also have written several cookbooks, and one of them is called Speed Vegan. And in your introduction to Speed Vegan, I really liked that you inserted a news flash because <laughs> you were not a vegan when you started writing it. So in the news flash, you wrote, I must not interrupt this introduction for an important update inserted after the book's completion, but before going to press. Although I still consider myself an omnivore, meaning I can eat anything, I have begun eating a strict vegan diet. After only a few weeks, I can say unequivocally that my body is ecstatic with the change. So can you talk about what compelled you to try a vegan diet, and what were the physical changes that you felt? Well, the book was given to me as a project by my publisher. The, my first book, Omega-3 Cuisine, sold really well, really soon, you know, really fast, which is always good for a publisher. And so while he was ecstatic, I said, give me another project. So he gave me this as, a, as, a, as something that I, that a, a kind of a challenge, really, you know, to create vegan recipes that could be made in 30 minutes or less. 
And uh, that wasn't really that much of a challenge for me, except for the time limit, because I've always been a person to take as long as it takes and not, not try to jam it into a 30-minute box. But it worked, and I, and I managed. And um, so, of course, I did a lot of research when I was writing the book on vegans, what do they eat, what don't they eat, and their philosophy. And it turns out that it's not just about what they eat. It's about what they wear. It's about a lot of things. And their main, the main vegan thing is, is not exploiting animals. Right. Uh, for personal gain in any way, um, just basically leaving them alone. Um, and then also, you know, I read a book uh, by uh, Jonathan Safran for a beautiful book called Eating Animals. And uh, unlike a lot of the vegan materials, it doesn't shame anybody who's reading the book for eating animals. It just exposes all of the facts surrounding the animal agriculture, you know, all of the business and how it's done and, and, and some, some of the cruelty involved. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of and cool too. So I was yeah. already thinking, like, geez, you know, <laughs> the one that got me most was a, it's you know, regular size uh, hardcover book, and you open it up on the ch- chapter about chickens, and there's this line drawn on the inside of the margin, and it's this box, and it's smaller than a shoe box. It's just this area, and it says, "This is the air. This is the space that an egg-laying hen will live its entire life." Yeah. And I was just like, well, even if you don't care about hens and don't care about living things, would you really want to eat an egg that came out of an animal that was, that was so stressed? It was, it was right. so tortured. I mean, yes. what kind of an egg would that be? It couldn't possibly be good for you. Exactly. So I was, this is going around in my head. And then uh, my, I was in my doctor's office, and my cholesterol had just been climbing, 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 climbing. I mean, not even like the stock market where it goes up and down, just a straight upward <laughs> Okay, one direction. I wish I had stock like that. Uh, and so he said, it was at 289, and he said, you know, we're going to have to put you on statins because, you know, and I was doing a lot of exercise, hiking, biking. You know, I live in Colorado. It's a very healthy environment, clean air. Uh, everything I ate was organic and grass-fed, this and you know, all that. And he said, whatever you're doing is not working. We have to put you on statins. And I said, who's we? You know, it's like, <laughs> read me the yeah. side effects. And he said, well, you know, you have to do something. You can't just let it go like this. You risk for a heart attack. And I said, look, I got low blood pressure. I got low stress. I mean, you know, no, no, no. He was very adamant. And it was just at that point right there where all the little chips just kind of fell in place. And I said, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on a strict vegan diet, and I'm going to train and run the Pikes Peak Ascent, which is a, a race that, that goes from 6,000 feet to 14,000. It's like an 8,000-foot vertical gain to a 14,000 that's half pretty serious. And, of course, you know, doctors must hear all the time. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go do all this exercise. And he said, yeah, right, yeah. We'll see if this works. So he said, I want you to come back in three months, and uh, we'll test your blood to see if it's doing anything. I said, okay. And I said, you know, by the way, you know, you don't know me very well, but I had eggs and bacon for breakfast, and that's it. I'm really, I'm, I'm when I decide, I decide, and I've just now decided, and that's it. Mm. He said, fine, we'll see. So after three months, I came back, and I had gone from 289 to 208. And three months later, I was at a vegetarian event in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, there was uh, Dr. Greger, who is a very well-known doctor in the uh, vegan community. He was testing people's blood for free, and he tested my blood, and it was 130. So, Whoa. you know, that, that alone should convince anyone that they're on the right track. But what really got me was that it, after just three days... I felt 20 years younger. I, I mean, my sinuses cleared up for the first time. I, I had a, what I realized later was a brain fog. I didn't even realize I had it until it lifted and I could think clearly or, you know, more clearly. Uh, 
Yes. I, I, I just felt all this energy. And uh, so I, I was convinced it, it, it was something that you'd, you know, if, if you think about, oh, I want to stop eating this and I really love eating this. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a little conflict there. But if you suddenly feel, you know, I'm, I'm 63. I feel like I did when I was 43. In fact, I feel better mm-hmm. uh, in a number of ways. So w- to a young person, that may not mean much. <laughs> but to a guy my age, <laughs> it means a lot. Right. Because now I can, you know, hike and bike and run and do whatever I want to do. And I need less sleep. I, I wake up feeling refreshed. Uh, I don't feel heavied out when I eat. It's 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 miraculous. So that to me, it's not even a a big deal. I'm 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 in for the long haul. I I like eating this way, and yeah. I you know I don't miss the things that I was eating before, as as I would have suspected I would. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, well, what is it going to be like if I can't have foie gras and I can't have caviar and I can't have, you know, all this different cheeses and all this stuff. But now that I've made the association with those things and how I felt before, I ate them, I had them, it's part of my life, it's part of my history, but I, but I have no interest in going back to feeling that way. None at yeah. all. Wow. Well, that's a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just a great testament to the effect that our eating choices have on our bodies and uh, also on the planet, because those choices that you make have huge ramifications, especially when thousands and millions of people make that choice. So thank you, Alan, for that. And let's now get ready for our break. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to Chef Alan Redinger, author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. And we just talked about his culinary journey. And next, we're going to talk about the recipes in one of his cookbooks, Speed Vegan. Stay close, and we'll see you soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Introducing the Abundance Cubed coaching program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss. 
Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest is Chef Alan Rediger, author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. And we started talking about his book, Speed Vegan, in the previous segment. And as you mentioned, Alan, your goal in that book was to create delicious vegan meals in less than 30 minutes. So what were your challenges with this, and how did you overcome them? Well, the main challenge is that I never think about the amount, you know, in terms of how long it's going to take me, unless I need to deliver by a certain time. And I like if somebody says we're having dinner at seven, well, then I got to be ready to serve at, at at least quarter to seven, it's not 6.30. I've got to be ready, relaxed, and everything ready to serve. Uh, so for me, if, they, if, I, if I know that somebody's going to take me four or five hours, I'll, I'll start four or five hours early. Yeah. But this was for the average person who comes home and is maybe tired and maybe even kind of like, oh, let's just order out. <laughs> so if, if, if they can make something in 30 minutes, that's a huge benefit to them. And I didn't have this goal then, but I have this goal now to get people cooking and eating at home because I know what goes on in the back room of restaurants. I know what goes into making processed food. And really, you're putting your health in the hands of people who don't know you and really don't care if you're healthy or not. Mm. And if you cook and eat at home, your chances of having a healthy life are dramatically increased. So in retrospect, this was a fantastic service to those people, making it Making something that was—it's really enjoyable to eat, but that actually doesn't take you all day to make. Correct. So for me, the challenge was figuring out those things that don't take so very long, but actually are quite good. That's the only challenge, really. Other than that, no big deal. Yeah. So, what are some of the things that go on in the the, the kitchen uh, with processed <laughs> foods in restaurants? G- give us a give us a little peek into that world. What's going on? Well. I mean, go, yeah, I mean, it's, if you, like, again, if you're, if you're working for someone who has very exacting standards, high, high standards, uh, I mean, if you've, if you've ever seen any, any videos or movies of, of a third, the three-star Michelin restaurant, it is absolutely impeccable. It is, you, you could eat off the floor, you could eat off the wall, <laughs> I mean, absolutely impeccable. Those, I mean, they're, they're like 100 in the world. Yeah. And a lot of them are, you know, in Japan, in France and places like where you don't go, unless you're you know, lucky enough. But most restaurants, and uh, and I mean like 90% of them, have deplorable conditions in the back room. Oh, uh, I don't know how they pass the inspection. The, it, the filth, the the disorder, the the insanity, the yelling, the screaming, the dropping things and picking things up. It's uh, it's nuts. It's not an enjoyable environment. It's not a, a stress-free environment. It's not a clean environment. And then you add to that the shortcuts, which, you know, it's, and I'm not blaming them. It's a business. You, you have to make ends meet, and you've got you to hire people who really don't have any culinary training or health sanitation and safety training or anything yeah. because they'll work for very cheap. 
and you've got to cut corners in the food. So it's not conducive to, I mean, it's not like something that you would do yourself if you were thinking about what you're going to do for your health. You, you wouldn't, you really wouldn't. <laughs> I, I like to tell people, I don't want to tell you what goes on back there because it'll ruin you for eating out. And, and sometimes you've you got no choice. You're traveling or somebody invites yeah. you and you've got to go out. But my advice is learn to cook and eat at home. Okay. <laughs> really, truly. I mean, it's just, it, there, there are things that I've seen. I worked, I was a pastry chef at a, at a billionaire's country club for about eight months in California. And I was shocked. And you would think at a billionaire's country club that high standard would be there. But I saw things that I think, oh my God, here comes the lawsuit. <laughs> it's just, it's deplorable. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to run down some, anybody's business. It's, uh, this, they're yeah. trying to make a living. And once in a while, it probably won't kill you, you know. But really, as, as a rule, this, making food is not only something that you, you, everyone should know how to do. You know, I, sometimes when I'm teaching a cooking class and I see a man there, I go, oh, good, there's a man here. <laughs> because I think every man should know how to cook. Yes. And I think every woman should know how to change a tire. You know, it's, it's not like, ah, what do I do? Call AAA. It's really, it's a life skill. It's a basic life skills. skill. Yeah, yeah. And Important cooking is enjoyable. Cooking is thoroughly enjoyable. It puts you in a, almost a meditative state. It's beautiful. Yes, yes. And just, it, it gives you a connection to your food when you make it yourself. You have an understanding and appreciation of it. And you can choose each and every ingredient so that you know that it'll be healthy. Right. And if okay. you have kids, you can get them to yeah. eat the food if they've taken a part in, in preparing it. Yes. That's a really good point. Yes. Yeah, they will. And now, a different question. On your website, you mentioned that as a private chef to the rich and famous for more than 30 years, you've learned a lot about what people hunger for and what satisfies, that it's more than just food to fill our bellies. We crave fulfillment on every level and your approach to food and cooking aims to deliver it in as many ways as possible. So you use the word satisfying. And one thing I think many may, people may think of as satisfying food is more rich food made with butter and cream and things like that. So how do you make satisfying vegan food? Well, it's really not rocket science. I mean, there, there, is, there are ways to do it that don't involve... When you say cream and butter, you're thinking richness, and yeah. that is grat- gratifying, yeah. but sometimes it's not even satisfying. Sometimes you're at the end, you almost feel heavied out, and you, and you, you wonder if it was a smart thing to do, <laughs> or, 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 or maybe you're, you're fully aware that what you're eating is actually going to cause heart disease, or there, there may be some guilt. You know, There may be some sense of like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Or I'm on a diet and, and I should be sticking to it, but instead I'm eating this and, oh, God, and you beat yourself up because you're not sticking to your commitment or whatever. All you have to do is you have to be aware that you have taste buds. And what you're trying to do with those taste buds is wake, wake them up. You could wake them up and experience all the flavors that are there. Mm-hmm. And, if you, and if you really pack the, the food with layers of flavor, they, it will be immensely gratifying and it will be satisfying and if you use the right ingredients it will be guilt free and at the end of the meal you won't necessarily feel like you have to go lie down and take a nap it, right. it, it's, it's really not that hard I mean I, in, in using a lot of plant based food uh, and not a lot of processed food 
Uh, and being careful to use, I mean, I use, for example, I use mostly uh, the pseudograins, which are quinoa, buckwheat, uh, amaranth, wild rice, those kinds of things. That they're, they're not very, very starchy. Yeah. Uh, so, so they don't heavy you out. And you, when, you, when I eat quinoa, it's, it's like my body goes, oh, thank you. That's exactly what I want. You can feel it. You can feel it really just loving what you're eating. And then, of course, your body, it, you have to overcome. If, if you're a person who has been eating meat and potatoes most of their life, you have to overcome the feeling that that's what you must have. And you have to become accustomed to the variety and the texture of so many different kinds of plant foods. But once you do, you're going to be hooked because it's so, so deeply nourishing and gratifying. And what you really want, more than anything, is surprise. You, you're, you get tired of the same old thing. Mm-hmm. And this is our nature. We get bored with the same old thing. This is why you, know, you, you, you want to see something new all the time. You want to see, try something else. And this is why, you know, when you go to Starbucks, it's not, you know, when you go to Italy and you order a coffee, they give you a coffee and it's the best coffee in the world. You don't ask for one that has pumpkin pie spice mixed in, you know, because it's already the best coffee in the world. Yeah. So you go to Starbucks and they feel like they have to constantly be coming up with a new thing and a different thing and another thing that you haven't tried and put peppermint and God knows what all in your, in your coffee. And that's because we crave entertainment. We crave Surprise! We want to we want to see something new. We want to see something different. We want it to 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 surprise us. Otherwise, we get bored, and boredom yeah. isn't good. Boredom so, is not good. when you when you make a va- vastly varied meal, which you can only do with plants, I mean, there's meat is just meat. It's fat and, and sinew and and it's got some juices. And uh, as a Spanish chef observed, you know, you put a piece of meat in your mouth and you chew it. You chew it and chew it and chew it. For, for the first five seconds, you're getting all these juices and flavor and everything. And then for 25 seconds, you have to just chew it, chew it, chew it so you can swallow it. It has no more flavor. There's no more. The fun is gone. But you have to keep chewing it because otherwise you'll choke. You never have that problem with the strawberry. You never have a problem with asparagus. You never have the problem with any of the plants. Every single bite, those flavors are being released. So when you put a lot of plants in your, in your food... You're going to have that experience all the way through. It's going to be very enjoyable, and provided the you know you like those particular plants. I mean, some people may not like asparagus, but you, you know what you like, and you'll be able to figure it out. And I've been telling people for years now all the subtlety and and and, and interesting flavor in food comes from the plants. I mean, this mm-hmm. is why people want to eat grass-fed beef because it tastes better. Why? Because it's the plants that they ate. You know, and then and then all the variety in your in your dish is going to come from the the spices, the herbs, the various vegetables, the grains, the beans, all that, each with a unique flavor, and that's where it all comes from. Very interesting. Yes. Now, before we move on to your next cookbook, Extraordinary Vegan, in the next segment, can you give us an example? We have just a couple of minutes left in the segment of a recipe in Speed Vegan. What's an example of something that's in there? Oh, there's so many. I one that I always seem to go back to because it has a lot of flavor is um, one I call green curry salad or green curry slaw. I can't remember. It's green curry. Yeah, I think it's green curry salad, and it's uh, uh, it's got bean sprouts, it's got uh, cabbage and watercress and and celery and carrot. And, but the, the, what really does it is the dressing, and the dressing is based on green curry, the the green curry paste they use in in Thai food. 
it's delicious. Uh, and then I and I grind, I blend it up with lime juice and lime peel and and basil and a few other things. And then it gets served with some toasted cashews. It's just absolutely spectacular. The, the, the flavors are bright, and it's a little bit spicy. And spicy food always opens up your palate. Mm. You can taste things better. And uh, it's, it's very gratifying. That's, that's yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, that, that sounds really good. And you make some really excellent points here about the variety of the flavors and just the health benefits, how eating a Diet made mostly of plants just makes you feel. So thank you so very much for that. Let's now get ready for our next break. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to Chef Alan Redinger, author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. And coming up, we're going to discuss Alan's next cookbook, Extraordinary Vegan, where he describes how to make food with love and why that's important. He kind of gave us an indication of that already. So we'll see you soon on the flip side with some more juicy stuff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of masterpieces Noam Kostuki are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest is Chef Alan Renniger, author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. And in the first couple of segments, we discussed Alan's cookbook, Speed Vegan, which was published in 2010. And now let's move on to his next one, published in 2013, called Extraordinary Vegan. And Alan, in the introduction to that one, you mentioned making food with love and that you had an epiphany about what that meant, that attention is the currency of love. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I actually uh, I was tossing and turning one night. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up at night and I can't go back to sleep. Um, and that's 
the time when if anything is bothering you, that's it really gets you. <laughs> yes. It kind of like the dark thoughts come and you can't stop them. <laughs> so one of my techniques when that happens is uh, to think about just to generate some thoughts of my own, to create a train of thought and think about something purposefully. And for some reason, the idea of food made with love came into my mind, and I was wondering what exactly – everybody's heard this, you know. And, and a lot of times you hear it when something really awful is being offered to you. It's like, but it's made with a lot of love. You know, your grandma made it. You know, you try it. You know, it's good. It's, it's, you put a lot of love in it, you know. So it's like, okay, you'll choke it down. So what, 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 well, think, what, what difference does it make if there's love or there isn't love? You know, if somebody's very loving or they're not, or what possible difference could love have on the food? You know, what could, it, what, could it, what could it do? And I was thinking about it, and then I had, bing, I had an epiphany. And the epiphany was, attention is the currency of love. This is how love is transferred. You know, when I fell in love with my wife, I mean, my attention just naturally went there. I mean, even when she wasn't around, I was thinking about her. And if I was in a store and I saw something she might like, I'd buy it for her. And all the way home, I was thinking about giving it to her. It was like, so my attention was flowing to her all the time. And when we would meet, she could feel it. And I could feel that she was thinking about me, too. And this is the way, you know, like if you have a little kid, you know, when my son was little, it's like, Daddy, Daddy, yes, I see you. And it's like, no, 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 look at me. Don't just say it. He wanted to, <laughs> wanted to feel my attention going to him. And that's how he knew I loved him. And so then how does it get in the food? Well, same way. You don't just throw a bunch of groceries in your, in your cart. You pick the ripe ones, or you pick the ones that will be ripe three days from now when you're planning to serve that mango or that, you know, and you, and you make sure that they don't just throw it in the bag that you, they, sometimes I'll just, I'll let me bag it. You know, <laughs> I want it to be taken care of all the way. And then you store it properly. And then when you cook it, you, you cut things nicely in, in, in attractive shapes and you cut them uniformly. So they cook evenly and you, 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 you're careful to cook it so that you don't wipe out the flavor. You want it to, to shine through. You want the, the, the real quality of each ingredient just, just to shine, and and then when you present it beautifully on a plate, so when somebody sees it, it's like, oh wow, look at that! And they already their 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 appetite is increased. And mm-hmm. and when you cook like that, there's something about your food that's just a world apart from the food that's just thrown together. It's not wow. just because of the ingredients. It's not just because of the way you cooked it. It's all of that. It's the fact that you were present and you were paying attention. And your love, your ener- that energy that is inside of you, somehow imbued that food. And that, and I, I don't know how to explain it, except that you give it your love, you give it your attention, and it makes that food really, really good. Yeah. Oh, I can uh, totally believe that. Yeah, we talk a lot about energy on the show, and mm -hmm. we're we're everything is energy. Basically, we're all energy, Uh, and so yes, you are imparting some of that when you give food your love and your attention, like you said, and it's almost like a mindfulness practice or a meditation, even. Um, It is like that. Being so much in the present and. not just doing things in sort of a cursory way, which again is another reason, like you said, to prepare your own food at home, even if it's not super complicated stuff. If like in your cookbook Speed Vegan, there are 30 minute recipes, still if you do them with care, so much more nutritious and better for your body than something that you pick up that was just sort of thrown together. Yeah. The present moment, as anybody who's ever stopped to, to dwell there for even a few seconds, is full of joy. Yeah. The present moment is sweet. It's calm. It's beautiful. And it allows for, that, for the, your, your, your deepest 
feelings to come out. To, to, mm-hmm. And when you cook that way, you're actually imbuing your food with joyfulness, with, yes. with presence, with, with, with appreciation, with gratitude. You know, the, they, this, yeah, the best thing to eat, you know, the best way to eat is in gratitude. Food yes. goes down the best when it's taken with gratitude. But yes. how, how much easier is it to feel grateful if food is really good? I mean, yes. I mean, sometimes you're just ungrateful to be eating anything. I'm so hungry. But when something is really good, your, your body feels grateful. You can feel it going, mmm. <laughs> and that's the way to eat, you know? That you're, we're alive true? for a very short time. I don't know, but you, young people may be listening. When I turned 60, I went, oh, my God. It's really true. This <laughs> goes by fast. <laughs> Seems like just yesterday I was a teenager, you know. So you, we owe it to ourselves to live really well, to eat really well. You know, we only need five things. You know, we need we need uh, water, we need air, we need food, we need security, which includes shelter and you know, all that. And for lack of a better word, we need love, we need connection, we need meaning, we need we need to feel joy. Yes. So. You think, you know, if you live for a very short time, just make sure at least those five things. You, 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 your cell phone, well, it doesn't really matter if it's a good one or not. You know, you're, 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 <laughs> some things really don't matter. But those five things, we owe it to ourselves because we need them. We cannot live without them. So those should be celebrated and they should be the best quality we can possibly manage. Yes, in agreed. My that's, that's right. Yeah. And focusing on those things is just also making an investment in your health because I've heard it said that you can do one of two things. You can pay the farmer or you can pay the doctor. (laughs) Pick one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah. And so what you're advocating here is pay the farmer, right? Pay attention to the food. Pay attention to that. I'm I'm saying actually live live well. You know, don't don't let this whole thing go by thinking that what you really need to pay attention to is your boss or, you know, getting there on time. And, yeah, they do. You do need to do that. But the most important thing, the thing you never get back, is the present moment. And is the, long, the more you spend your life in the present moment, the more joyful your life is. And when it's time to go, that goes with you. <laughs> the stuff you accumulate, the opinions of other people, that right. is like, whoop, gone. Gone. Yep, it's not going with you. The joy well, you accumulate is, is with you forever. Yes, and I also like how you point out some fundamental rules for making extraordinary, enjoyable food in your cookbook, Extraordinary Vegan. You mentioned that some rules are physical, like what happens to different ingredients when heat is applied and how long to cook each, and that you learn these by experience. But you also mentioned that there are a few rules that transcend the physical. And one of them that you mentioned is don't be intimidated. And <laughs> I think well, the that's first a really one is wash your one. hands, but that's besides the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because as a skilled chef, of course you're not intimidated. But how how can the rest of us overcome the intimidation to really get in there, get in the kitchen and spend the time preparing good food for ourselves? Well, you know, the the, the main thing to, to understand is that it's not really that hard, number one. It's really not that hard. I mean, sometimes if you, you know, pe- people have said to me, oh, I'd be afraid to cook for you. You're a chef. And I was like, you don't understand. Food made by somebody else is one of my favorite things in the world <laughs> because it surprises me. I mean, I, when I'm cooking, sometimes at the end, it's like I'm looking forward to surprising someone else. But unless I'm really hungry, it's like, okay, well, I'll eat it too. And sometimes I surprise myself, but that doesn't happen that often. But don't be intimidated. 
intimidated. It's not really rocket science. It's not really very hard. And it's the one thing that human beings have been doing for as long as we've been human. That was like what made us human. To not just grab something off a tree and stuff it in our face, but to take it and manipulate it and mix it with something and make it taste really different and really good. And to try to make something that thrills our palate. You know, something that doesn't just fill our bellies, but surprises our imagination. Go, wow, look, that was interesting. That was it. And, that, and that's what makes us human. You know, all the other stuff is, came later. You know, fighting and all that stuff. But yeah. if you go to, I mean, I, I, was, I, was, I, I saw this in Mexico. I grew up in Mexico, and we used to go to these archaeological sites. And in those days, you could find stuff everywhere you went. And it's pretty well picked over now. But, but you could find little arrowheads and spear points and stuff. And every single site, no matter if it was Olmec or Mayan or Old Aztec, whatever, Toltec, they all had one thing in common. You would find tons and tons and tons of pot shards. Mm. Now, what do you suppose they were doing with the pots? Yeah. I mean, it was cooking. And that's the thing that everyone had in common. The architecture could be different. The artwork could be different. But they all had to cook and they all ate. So it's really not that complicated. And you can learn it. You don't, you don't necessarily have to become you know, so good at it that someone will pay you to do it. But it's not hard to make decent food. I mean, really good food. And so just don't be intimidated. Just get in there and just do it. Just get in there and, and do and it. And here's yeah. the thing. People will be thrilled that you cooked for them. Mm. This is another human trait. When some, I mean, when you go to someone's home and in most countries, pretty much every country, the first thing is, would you like some tea? Mm. And then would you like this? And let us, won't you stay for dinner? And they want to treat you. They want to feed you. Yeah. That's just human nature. And yeah. so if you go to someone's house, they'll feed you. If they come into your house, you'll feed them and they will be grateful. So don't be intimidated. <laughs> That's right. And your your book, Extraordinary Vegan, is also good because you have a lot of instruction in there, too. Uh, you talk about ingredients for the pantry and give people a lot of guidance as to what to buy to stock their kitchen so that they are ready to start cooking. Mm-hmm. So it, I think you help overcome that intimidation by giving that information as well. So, and you also have so many delicious recipes in Extraordinary Vegan. You, ha- I love breakfast, and you have nutrient-dense muesli, nutrient-dense oatmeal, cream of quinoa. All these things sound delicious. So these aren't necessarily 30-minute recipes. So which one of those, what, do you, what did you like the best out of Extraordinary Vegan? Oh, in, in the, in the uh, breakfast, you mean? Oh, any meal. Any meal. Yeah. Well, these, you know, I've, I had, I had the, the handcuffs taken off because I didn't have to get it done in 30 minutes. So right. there's some things that just taste better if they cook for a long, long time. One of my favorites of the book is, uh, it's actually a, a more like a, like a condiment or a sauce. It's called peperonata. It's from Italy. And it's roasted peppers that are cooked really, really slowly with, with uh, onions and garlic and tomato puree. And, and it, 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 it just, and you cook it for hours and hours and hours and it gets really, really tender. And it gets the flavors get really concentrated, and it's a fabulous thing. I mean, you can eat that with pasta. You can eat that by itself. You can put it on polenta, which is really a good way to do it. Uh, in the old days, I used to serve it with chicken because it was just like such. It was like such a mm, flavor. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, all of it is delicious in And Adrena, you gotta you gotta set aside three hours for it to happen because not yeah. that you're gonna be doing it the whole time, but you gotta keep right. coming back and making sure it's not sticking and <laughs> Yes. You're putting a lot of attention there and again it really really shows in the end. 
Right. Okay. So for quicker meals, there's speed vegan. And for ones that require more attention, there's extraordinary vegan. So all of it looks delicious. So on that note, thank you, Chef Alan. And let's get ready for our final break. Thank you also, everyone, for joining us. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And I'm talking to Chef Alan Redinger, author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. And next up, we're going to talk about another one of his cookbooks, Paleo Vegan, which sounds like a contradiction in terms, but it's not. So stay tuned and we'll be back soon. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Introducing the Abundance Cubed Coaching Program on Gen R Holistic Radio. Wellness entrepreneurs who integrate the best of modern and holistic approaches will fix our broken food and healthcare systems. So host Sandra Malhotra and creator of Masterpieces, Noam Kostuki, are going to empower them to do just that. We will help five entrepreneurs grow and unlearn limiting beliefs during this program. You too can learn alongside them by turning into Gen R Holistic Radio the first Tuesday of each month. Join us for an adventure in expansion. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest is Chef Alan Renninger, author, food designer, blogger, and public speaker. And we just reviewed Alan's culinary journey and the advice and recipes in two of his cookbooks, one, Speed Vegan, and the other, Extraordinary Vegan. And now let's move on to Paleo Vegan. And Alan, on your website, it says that with their heavy emphasis on meat, paleo cookbooks have had little to offer vegans until now. Athlete, coach, and vegan advocate Ellen Jaffe-Jones joins forces with chef extraordinaire and culinary genius Alan Renniger to present a surprising yet delectable blend of plant-based vegan cuisine and popular paleo diets. Ellen examines both vegan and paleo dietary approaches, calling myth from reality. Laying bare the essentials, she proposes a simple, straightforward way of eating based on natural, whole, unprocessed foods that both diet styles endorse. 
So can you elaborate on the types of recipes that are in paleo-vegan? Well, you know, I'm still stuck on, he's a culinary genius. I really <laughs> <laughs> That's what it said. Uh, you know, it, it, for me, you know, I, this is funny because Extraordinary Vegan came out, oh, God, it was like a couple of Octobers ago. I was at, uh, or September's, and I was in, at the uh, Vegetarian Festival in Toronto, and uh, that's when I first saw the book. And then my publisher was there, and he said, uh, how would you like to do the recipes for Ellen Jaffe Jones' new book, Paleo Vegan? And I said, well, is, there, is that a trick question? I'd love to. And, uh, but have you, have you asked her about it? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, she's fine with that. <laughs> so I said, yeah, no problem. He said, well, the catch is you're going to have to have it done like in a month. And I said, wow. okay. <laughs> so, uh, so that was really the challenge. As far as, as, far as uh, the, the, the recipes, it's really no different than working for a millionaire because they always tell you, we don't eat this, we don't eat that, we like this, we like that. And uh, so you have to work within the, the confines of whatever it is that they've decided they're going to eat. And it would change. I mean, this week we're on this diet, next week they're on that diet, and you just have to quickly, okay, study up, okay, what do they eat, all right, and make something within, within those constraints. So all I had to do was, okay, it was basically vegan food that didn't have any beans or grains, uh, other than that, except for the dairy and meat, there is no difference between, to, between a, a, a healthy vegan diet and the paleo diet. It's all plant-based, whole foods. And the paleo people eat a lot of meat because they like eating meat, and this makes them feel good about it because they're on this diet that's so special. I mean, other than that, there's really, there's really no difference. And they, they eschew dairy, too, as, as something that, that was post-agricultural when people started messing with the plants to make them grow differently and the people started selecting out certain qualities that are actually good for you. And so it really, I, I, had, I actually had a whole bunch of recipes that had not made it into some of the books that I'd done before. And I just retooled them a little bit to make them fit the vegan, I mean, the, uh, the paleo uh, standard. Mm. And uh, it was actually quite, uh, quite smooth. It wasn't, wasn't hard to do at all. Okay. All right. Now, we've only talked about three of your cookbooks here during this show. Which other ones do you have that you'd like to mention? Well, this with paleo, that's four, because the first one, Omega-3 Cuisine, that was my first book. Right. That was about getting omega-3 fats into your diet, not from fish. That wasn't a vegan book. It was vegetarian. Um, and then, then Speed Vegan, then Extraordinary Vegan, then Paleo Vegan. They came yes. like one, off, one after the other. And then he uh, gave me a new project, uh, Paleo Smoothies, which is really more like a, a pamphlet-style book, just 30 mm-hmm. recipes for different kinds of re- uh, smoothies you can make that are interesting and stick to both vegan and paleo, same as the, uh, same as the cookbook. And then uh, he gave me another one, the Almond Milk Cookbook, which came out several months ago. And that one is really more more focused on just almond milk and people that want to switch from dairy to something healthier. And almond milk is very popular. And I teach people how to make the almond milk from scratch, which is helpful. It's cheaper, and you can make a much much creamier milk. And all the things you can make with it is pretty much everything from breakfast to dessert. Yeah. And by the way, the, the chocolate almond ice cream, it's worth the price of the book right there, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I got it out. For, you know, I first made it, and I took a spoonful, and I gave it to my wife, and I took the other spoonful, and we both put it in our mouth at the same time. And I knew it was special when I put it in my mouth, but she, her eyes got really big, and she said, oh, babe, this is one of the ten best things you've ever made. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, I've made thousands of things. How could it be that? And I was, looking, I was just tasting it and tasting it, and I go, you know, I think you're right. This one really is. <laughs> 
So that one, and it's so easy. I mean, it's really simple. There's no, there's no cooking involved. It's just very, it's delicious. And now I'm working on another book, uh, the anti-inflammatory cookbook. That's the working title. We don't know what it'll be called. I'm sort of in the middle of that. And um, as the saying goes, I love the sound of a of a deadline as it goes whizzing by. <laughs> this one, I've, this is the one I've actually, I've almost never missed a deadline ever. And this one is, uh, it, it's way past. Okay, but I'm hoping, all right. hoping to get it out with by the end of this month and uh, move on to something else. All right. But that sounds like a very important cookbook. Like we were talking about during the break, uh, it's the chronic inflammation that's the root cause of so many diseases. Uh, our yeah, body yeah. uses the inflammation response, and if it's acute, like we were talking about, it's useful. It it accomplishes a goal. It's natural. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's meant to be that way. Yeah. But we'll, if you get if you get, a, eat, you get a bug, you get a fever, and the fever yeah. kills the bug, and it, you feel awful, but it's actually killing the bug, and that's good. That's right. If you that's get right. if you injure yourself, it swells up and it hurts. There's pain. There's redness. There's swelling, but it's actually a good thing. And eventually, it when as soon as it resolves, it all goes away. You know, right. but the problem is the is the chronic uh, inflammation that you don't necessarily feel. You might feel it if you, if you if it causes uh, uh, arthritis, you might feel pain in your joints, but you don't feel the the the, uh, the inflammation in your arteries from from eating refined fats. Uh, you don't feel the the inflammation in some of your 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 organs or in every cell of your body sometimes. Until you actually, it gets acute enough that actually you feel pain. But right. it's, it's actually the killer. And a lot That's of it right. is stress called or, or yes. environmental uh, with a lot of chemical exposure or pesticides. Or, and it's in your food. I mean, if you, yes. eat, if you eat food that's refined, your body actually never, ha- your, your DNA does not carry with it the program for dealing with it. Yes. And so what gets in your body, your body kind of goes, oh, what do I do? And if it's once in a while, it kind of goes, okay, we'll just flush this out. But if it's every day, every meal, it can really make you very, very sick. And you're That's not right. even aware of it until things start breaking down. That's right. Yeah, so really looking forward to that cookbook. So thank you so much for joining us today, Alan. We're just about out of time. So really oh, no. appreciate all the information that you share with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this. And thanks, everyone, again for joining us today. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And our guest will be New York Times bestselling author Dave Kirpin. He's written things like Likeable Social Media, and he just came out with a new book, The Art of People, that we're going to talk about. So really looking forward to that show. And in the meantime, follow our Gen R Holistic Media page on Facebook for fun updates. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 
visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 